Hello, and welcome to the IP Podcast, brought to you by Danes, one of Europe's leading firms of specialist patent and trademark attorneys. The IP Podcast is all about intellectual property and how IP can add significant value to startups and SMEs, particularly when they're looking to grow and finance that growth. So if your company is investing in patents or trademarks, or considering doing so, then this podcast is for you. We'd love to hear from you on what areas of IP are important to your business. So please email us at info at and we'll aim to cover these issues in a future podcast. Also, if you do enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe for future episodes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IP podcast. Over the last few episodes, we've looked at the process of filing a patent application and getting it granted in the UK and then developing an overseas patent portfolio. Today, we're going to look at how your patents and the R&D behind those patents can reduce your tax bill by using something called the patent box. To help guide us through the patent box and explain how it works, I'm joined again by Dr. Mark Bell from the Danes patent team. Hi, Mark. Looks like more lockdown restrictions have been lifted this week. So have you got any plans for some time with the family? Not quite yet, unfortunately. At the moment, all the rest of my family have gone to stay with grandparents. So they're having a good time while I'm just here working. But we're going to see the other side of the family in August in Edinburgh, which I'm looking forward to. So that should be good. Nice. That sounds good. So should we crack on with the patent box? What exactly is the patent box? The patent box is, as you outlined, is a UK government tax relief scheme, and it's been implemented by the UK government to incentivise companies to locate their research and development, what we call R&D activities, in the UK rather than in other countries. And under this scheme, UK companies can benefit from a reduced rate of the corporation tax that they pay. So this is at 10% through the patent box rather than the normal current rate of 19% in relation to profits that have been earned from patented inventions that they have. Now, as we'll go on to discuss, there are a number of requirements to satisfy in order for companies to be able to use the patent box, and we'll discuss the main ones during this podcast episode. However, if you want to know more about how your company may be able to benefit from using the patent box, please don't hesitate to get in contact with us. And is anyone able to benefit from the patent box or do those requirements that you mentioned just now restrict it just to certain companies? Yeah, the patent box is open to UK companies and they're ones that are liable to UK corporation tax. These companies are able to benefit from the patent box if they make profits from exploiting patented inventions. Okay, so just to confirm that, that the companies outside of the UK cannot use the patent box. Yeah, that's right. The patent box isn't open to any companies that are based outside of the UK for the purposes of their tax affairs. Okay. Now, I guess I guess the clue is in the name, but if a company wants to use the patent box, do they need to have a patent? The short answer is yes. You need to have or be using a patent to use the patent box. Though, as we'll see, it doesn't necessarily have to be your own patent. Now, the patent box concerns granted UK and European patents, as well as some patents granted in a number of countries in the European economic area. And a company must own or exclusively license in those patents. And that means that either the patents or patents that the company is using must be in that company's name or 
they must exclusively license in someone else's patent or patents. There's a bit of a small extension to this in that, as well as patents, the patent box also covers some IP rights that are similar to patents, ones that relate to medicines, plant breeding and plant varieties. Okay, as mentioned earlier, in previous episodes of the IP podcast, we have talked about patent applications and how to get patents granted. Is the patent box able to be used if you've just filed a patent application but not yet had it granted? That's a good question. And yes, it's an important point. The tax relief that's obtained through the patent box only applies once a patent is granted. So yes, you need a granted patent. However, companies can accrue benefits on the income that they make during the patent application phase if they elect into the patent box early. That's during the application phase before a patent has been granted. Then once the patent has been granted, they can claim the tax relief through the patent box back for those number of years that the patent application was going through the application process. And this could obviously be several years worth of tax relief by the time that the patent is finally granted. Another thing to think about or be aware about here is if your company doesn't currently have any patents, and so on the face of it at the moment is unable to use the patent box immediately, You could take a look to either obtain, that's buy, assign some patents or take out an exclusive license to a patent owned by someone else. And for both of these options, that's either filing on obtaining your own patent or licensing in someone else's patent. The tax savings that you might be able to make from using the patent box can potentially add up to exceed the costs that you expend on your patents. Okay, you mentioned that the patent box gives tax relief on the profits from a patented invention. So if my company has patents and profits from products that include inventions, which of my company's profits are eligible for the patent box? So the profits have to relate to the inventions that are covered by the patents. And that's something that we can and do assess for our clients. So you have some inventions and you have some patents and the patents need to cover those inventions in order for profits from those inventions to be eligible for the patent box. Once that's been ascertained, the profits that can go into the patent box can come from any worldwide activities related to the company's patents and their patented inventions, as long as those profits are being routed through the UK company that's paying UK corporation tax. Now, there are a number of different activities that can result in these profits that are eligible to be considered for the patent box. So these include profits from the sales of a patented product or products that incorporate their patented invention. They also include license fees and royalties that have been derived from patent rights, sales of patent rights, and income that's received as a result of infringement of a company's patent rights or damages or other compensation related to those patent rights and even some notional royalties from the use of patented processes and tools. So it's not as simple as I've got a product and it's covered by a patent. There are lots of other activities which relate to companies' patents, which result in profits for that company and which can be eligible for tax relief through the patent box. So companies should carefully consider all their various activities and where their inventions lie, and also what products and activities their patents cover and how this all matches up within the provisions of the patent box. And then once a company's worked out which profits these are, do they simply then just pay a corporation tax at 10% rate? 
It's not quite as simple as that. It's important to note that the 10% reduced rate of corporation tax through the patent box doesn't apply to all profits made by a company, even for the inventions that are covered by their patents. What happens is that the gross profits are converted into profits that qualify for the patent box. And this is done by considering certain routine returns, what's called a marketing asset return, and also the amount that companies spent on their R&D, and also in acquiring any relevant intellectual property, for example, if that's applicable. So that sounds like it all might get a bit complicated. Who can help our clients with these calculations? Does it need an accountant to actually make the submission to HMRC? Yeah, that's right. The calculations needed to determine these profits that are eligible for the patent box aren't always straightforward. And so it is often a good idea to use an accountant who is familiar with the patent box. And we work with a number of accountants that specialize in these sorts of things. So for our clients, we're able to provide recommendations for accountants who are experienced in those patent box calculations and who know the relevant government legislation, because there have been a number of changes to it over the years. So you need to be up to date with the most latest legislation and advice. As to how you actually do it, the claim for tax relief through the patent box is submitted alongside your corporation tax return. So the accountants, if you get them to do your patent box calculations, can work alongside your existing accountants who may or may not have specialism in the patent box to add in those calculations for the patent box to your corporation tax return. And how is the patent box tied to a company's R&D activities? How's, how's that measured? So in order to qualify for the, the patent box, it's not quite as simple that you just have to have patents and inventions and profits resulting from them. What you need to be doing is development work on those inventions that has resulted in a significant contribution to the creation or development of the patented invention or to a product that incorporates that patented invention. And, and those activities must have been carried out by the company that's claiming for the tax relief through the patent box. And this is to simply stop companies simply buying in a load of patents that cover what they're doing without having done the development work. The government have introduced this scheme to incentivize companies to perform their R&D activities in the UK and, and that's what they want to reward companies for doing. Okay so further on the R&D aspect can a company use the patent box if they also apply for R&D tax credits? Yes very much so that's that's a good point it's important to note that a company can claim both R&D tax credits which can be very valuable to a number of companies, even ones who don't have patents and patented inventions. And as well as that, they can apply for tax relief through the patent box. Those two can both be applied for those schemes. Okay, moving on to the practicalities. How does a company actually join the patent box scheme for their profits from the patented inventions and products? You have to do what is called electing into the patent box. And this then allows your company to benefit from that reduced rate of corporation tax that applies to the patent box. And this election can be done alongside your corporation tax return or separately just writing to HMRC and saying, I want to elect into the, the patent box. 
Okay. And on timings, is there a, a cutoff date for when you need to elect into the patent box? Yes, you need to do it within two years. There's a two year period to make that election. So uh, following the tax year for which you want to claim the tax relief. And so you elect into the patent box up to two years after the end of that accounting period in which the relevant products for the patent box arose and which you want to claim the tax relief. So this can allow companies to assess in those accounting periods if they've made sufficient profits for it to be worthwhile for them to use the patent box. Okay, on the topic of it being worthwhile, how does a company actually decide if it is worth their while using the patent box? It sounds like that with all the deductions that are made in the calculations and the cost of employing a specialist accountant, you need to be making very large profits to actually benefit from the patent box. Yeah, they're all very good points. And the the short answer is that it very much depends. So it depends on the activities that your company undertakes, the patents that your company holds or licenses in, and then the associated profits that are made on those patented inventions. If you satisfy the various requirements that we've talked about, then it's probably worth investigating further. Now, it will be the case that the patent box is of more benefit to some companies than others. But we're happy as Dane's patent attorneys to help discuss that with you and to find out if it's going to be suitable for your company. Companies should also bear in mind that they only need to be granted a single UK patent to claim through the patent box on profits from the worldwide sales of technology that they've developed. It's not necessary for them to have multiple patents in multiple different countries covering the same product. That doesn't increase the benefit that's gained through the patent box. And this means that actually the scheme is accessible regardless of the size of your IP budget. Worldwide profits that are routed through a UK company for the purposes of their tax accounts are eligible for the patent box. But the invention and the product that generates these profits only needs to be covered by a single patent, and that can just be a UK patent or a European patent to get into the patent box. Okay, final couple of questions. Again, the clue might be in the title. But first of all, are other types of IP rights, such as designs or trademarks, can they be included in the patent box? No, unfortunately not. You you guessed correctly there. The profits that result from other types of intellectual property rights, such as design registrations, trademarks, copyrights, confidential information, know-how and, and the like, they're not eligible to be considered for the patent box. And that goes back to why the government wanted to set up this scheme, which was to incentivize R&D technology innovations to be based in this country. And those other IP rights aren't as focused on sort of pure development of technology as patents are. However, as I mentioned near the beginning of this podcast episode, the patent box does cover some IP rights that are similar to patents relating to medicines, plant breeding and plant varieties. So if you have any questions on that, then just ask us and we'll be able to advise if your intellectual property rights are able to qualify for the patent box. And finally, Mark, how can we at Danes help our clients with a patent box? We can help our clients in a number of ways to maximise the benefit of their company's IP assets in relation to the patent box. And, And these include things like 
We can review our client's current patent portfolio and identify opportunities for where they may be able to obtain tax relief through the patent box. We can also help our clients on guiding them through the development process that they go through for new products to make sure that they're incorporating their patentable innovations or licensing technology for those those products in order that they can best maximize the use of the patent box for all their different products. Another thing we can do is to advise on a patent strategy to build the value of their business. And we can also recommend an accountant who might be able to work with them to calculate and submit the relevant forms to HMRC. And that can be alongside their existing accountants. Thanks, Mark. I think, as you said just a minute ago, if any listeners do want to get in contact about the patent box, please do. If you want further information on how we can help to use the patent box to help lower your tax bill. But I think that's pretty much the basics of the patent box uh, very nicely dealt with. So thank you, Mark. Uh, But what about anything that you've spotted recently that's been of interest to you? So a couple of weeks, we talked about a patent case which had reached the Supreme Court in the UK. And I I noted at the time that that was quite a, a rare thing to happen. And so, you know, excited us as patent attorneys. Another exciting event on legal cases has happened this week, this time at the European Patent Office. So a case has reached the highest appeal level at the European Patent Office in what's called the Enlarged Board of Appeal. And that case was heard this week. And for the first time, because of the COVID lockdown measures, people were able to watch it over a video stream, which was very interesting. And I dialed in to listen to some of the arguments that were presented, which was very interesting. So this case is something that is in in my field of technology. So it relates to computer simulations. And the particular case was to do with a patent that had been filed to simulate how crowds of people move through buildings and venues in order to try and refine the design and to optimise the flow of people through such venues. And with a lot of different simulations, now they're used to exploit the power of computers in order to perform the same or similar design iterations multiple times that would take far longer if you were actually building the real thing. And this case had got to a stage where the appeal board that was considering at the time had a number of outstanding questions and they thought that this was an unsettled matter of law. So what they're able to do at the European Patent Office is to refer some questions up to this enlarged board of appeal for the enlarged board to decide on on those matters. And so the the questions that were referred were, and here I'll, I'll paraphrase them, but they were asking, actually, are simulations which are implemented by computers, are they in principle patentable? And then if so, if you are able to get patents for computer simulations, does it matter about the type of technology that is used? And that's quite an important question because there are some types of technology which, you know, we think about which are clearly patentable. So if you think about, say, the field of aeronautics, you might want to build a prototype aeroplane and you would put it in a wind tunnel and you would put some sensors on the aeroplane and you would look to see how it behaved in that wind tunnel in order to refine the design. Now, also, there are simulations that can be performed in a virtual 
wind tunnel. So you're essentially doing the same experiment, but just on a computer. And so that's one field of technology, which I would like to think is still patentable, even if it's done in a simulation. But then there are other types of simulations, which are towards the more non-patentable end of invention. So things to do with what we call business methods. So that may be a a method of simulating the the stock market or financial movements, that sort of thing. So generally, those type of things wouldn't be considered to be patentable. And and so a computer simulation of those type of business methods would not be considered to be patentable either. But you can realise that there's a large gamut of inventions and technologies between the two and the line has to be drawn somewhere. So this case was asking these questions to, you know, essentially know where where we can draw the line. The final question was actually, you know, if you are able to obtain patents for computer simulations, then is a simulation of a design process, is that patentable? And again, for, you know, the same reasons as I outlined to do with wind tunnel optimization, there are lots of different design processes. And there, there was a famous case in the UK patent courts relating to the design of a drill bit, which we'd want to know, are those going to be considered to be patentable or not by the European Patent Office? So this is hopefully going to give us some insight into what the European Patent Office considers to be patentable in these various areas of computer simulation. So does that mean, Mark, that because it's got this enlarged board of appeal, that this kind of ruling is going to have quite significant and long-term implications on the kind of what can and can't be patented. Yeah, completely. These what are called G decisions from the Enlarged Board of Appeal carry a lot of weight and future decisions that examiners at the European Patent Office take and the lower appeal boards at the European Patent Office make, those decisions are always informed by these G decisions. But also we as patent attorneys will very much be taking the decisions into account because it may well influence what our clients are able to obtain patents for. Or it may be just that we need to change our practice in how we draft patent applications to make sure that we're trying to steer our definitions of inventions in the patent applications, the right side of the line, wherever that is that the Enlarged Board of Appeal draw it. I was going to, I was going to make exactly that point, actually, that that's got to have implications for you as a patent attorney as to how you advise your client going forward, whether they need to kind of tweet their invention or or whatever it is to kind of make sure that it then does become patentable. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hopefully the Enlarged Board of Appeal just clarify the state of the law and they don't make any too drastic changes. But we would always look to those decisions to see what we should be doing or what's best practice for what we should be doing in order to maximise the chances of getting our clients' patents for these types of computer simulated inventions. Genuinely fascinating, Mark. I've talked about this for a lot longer, um, but I think we've overstayed our our welcome at the moment. So I think we're going to have to draw the line there and move on. But thank you, Mark, for that. And and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be looking at another really important strategic aspect of the patent process, which is freedom to operate. Great. Looking forward to it, Ollie. 
And until then, if anyone has any questions on the patent box that we've been discussing today or any other IP related queries, please do get in contact with me at mbell at danes.com. Perfect. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks, Ollie. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the IP podcast brought to you by Danes. If you'd like to contact us about any IP related issues, please email us at info at danes.com or contact us via LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook or visit our website danes.com. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already.